0: Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm going to consider a question on meta ethics today, and it goes like this Critically contrast the views of intuitionists and emotivists on the origin and meaning of ethical statements. Now, we have a phrase here, critically contrast, and we have two words that we need to give content to, and that is the origin and the meaning of ethical statements. So in an introductory paragraph, we do need to consider why the examiner has chosen to use two words, origin and meaning. Well, the answer really is there are two major issues in metaethics. And metaethics, remember, means beyond or behind ethics. One is, where does moral value come from? And this is the debate about naturalism. The debate is over whether ethical statements have their origin out there in some objective, meaningful way, some measurable way. For example, as a utilitarian would argue, because it's in the value of pleasure and happiness, which a utilitarian believes is objectively measurable or natural law theorists another form of naturalism might argue in some objective measurable concept of eudaimonia human flourishing or welfare so the issue here is does or do ethical statements originate from the natural world are they really an extension of what we can observe or measure in the natural world or do they originate somewhere else and so that's issue number one. Issue number two is what ethical statements mean okay and that is a different question because a uh, a scholar like R. M. Hare would argue that ethical language is a special type of language that operates by Mm. special rules. And although prescriptivism is not part of the specification, I still believe that it is really important that you grasp R.M. Hare's theory of prescriptivism in order to evaluate, for example, emotivism. Now, intuitionists such as G.E. Moore, M.W.O.R.E. argue for a non-measurable, indefinable, simple, Irreducible property of moral goodness, which originates in an intuition, which is a kind of perception. And with this form of perception, we see goodness much as we see the colour yellow. But we cannot, says G.E. Moore, say anything more about it. Goodness just is goodness, something we know intuitively. You might note how this is similar to the claim of Aquinas that goodness is something innate known by Cinderasis, a, a God-given faculty of intuition. A.J.R. Eyre, by contrast, argues there is no such thing as a moral fact, and in language, truth and logic, he mounts an attack on naturalism. What moral language does, says A.J. Air is express approval or disapproval. It evinces approval or disapproval, he says, rather like spray painting a colour over a piece of furniture. That's not his analogy, it's mine. So the fact chair, its existence doesn't change, but we express an attitude towards it we kind of spray it over with a color we like saying yuck for disapproval or hooray for approval so there's no change in the facts there is no such thing as a special moral fact a naturalistic fact says air uh, we are simply evincing or expressing a, a feeling of emotion uh, sorry an emotion uh, of disapproval or of approval. So the origin of ethical statements lies according to the motivist in an attitude which may of course be influenced in practice by society and friends and so on and expresses itself through our feelings hence emotivism. it does not lie out there in the world there is no objective basis for it. Now we need rather crucially to critically assess these two views about the origin and the meaning of ethical language. Both the intuitionist and the emotivist, both uh, both, um, G.E. Moore and A.J. Ayer, are non-naturalists. They're arguing against the view taken, for example, by utilitarian theorists or by natural law theorists like Thomas Aquinas, but there is indeed a measurable objective basis to ethical language, to ethical expressions. Even if we agree with naturalists like Aquinas or Mill, they might be criticised for assuming it is easy to measure or observe this natural goodness inherent in our behaviour in, for example, as the utilitarian suggests, feelings of pleasure or pain. As G.E. Moore observed, Just because it is pleasurable doesn't necessarily make something good. For example, we might argue drug-taking may be pleasurable, but it isn't morally good. It harms people, and that's a moral evil. And G.E. Moore mounts what is called the open question argument, because we can always ask an open question uh, of the utilitarians like Bentham, X may be pleasurable, but is X good? Implying pleasure and goodness are actually independent of each other. However, in evaluating Moore, we might argue that his theory of intuitionism is also open to the open question attack. We might say to Mr Moore, Mr Moore, it may be your intuition that genocide is good, but is it really good? In other words, there is still a question to be asked about intuition. Maybe your intuition, but is it good? It may be pleasurable, but is it good? That is G.E. Moore's criticism of utilitarian naturalism. But the same argument, I would say, can be applied to intuitionism. Moore also implies that goodness is a simple, single property, like yellow. But actually, if we think about it in practice, it appears to be a complex property, like color, with many facets: justice, truth, generosity, beauty, and so on, which are open for discussion. To claim an intuition then is, re- is re- to claim that an intuition then is responsible for our moral sense begs the question: where does it come from? To say it comes from God also begs the question, why do some people have very bad or flawed moral intuitions? And we can think of some of the evil people of the world in history, and their intuitions seem to be really flawed. Freud, for example, indicated that our moral sense comes from parental praise and blame in early childhood and can indeed be very flawed and distorted, leading to irrational and pathological guilt feelings and even mental illness. Now, Ayers' emotivism can also be criticised as overly subjective, as he implies moral judgments are entirely up to me, and, as, and also they can be criticised as reductionists. As he implies, moral language is just like ordinary language of the observation of things. Whereas it appears, as R.M. Hare argues in his theory of prescriptivism, that moral language is of a unique type. It is prescriptive. It is saying, essentially, that... Behaviour needs to change when we condemn something. It is prescribing a course of action for us to stop doing X. So if we want to say lying is wrong, we might argue as a prescriptivist that we're actually saying, I think lying is harmful and I think you shouldn't lie either. It seems that we do in fact point to things outside ourselves, as in that example I've just given, about harm or suffering in attributing evil and wrong to actions and goodness to other types of action. So, to conclude, intuitionists and emotivists both share a condemnation of naturalism, In fact, you might also like to explore the naturalistic fallacy and try and work out whether you think it really is a fallacy, because we can accept that uncritically as well. They both are non-naturalists, but they are subject to some of the criticisms that, that they level at naturalism itself. For example, Moore's own theory of intuitionism is is open to the very criticisms that he levels against naturalism, such as the open question argument. Now, you can find more about this in a detailed handout on the PepEd website, and there are extracts from all these authors that I've mentioned on the website. And remember that whenever you Answer a question. Weave a really strong argument based on a clear thesis statement and make sure you come to a bold and well argued conclusion.